Thanks for joining us at elevationbillings.com. Today we're going to hear from Pastor Dave Carroll as he preaches in the sermon series, Pour Out. Let's join him now. Is everybody here and alive and awake? Fantastic. Are you glad to be here? Hey, how many of you just by, uh, let's thank the Lord for it. How many of you just by applause love being at Elevation Church? Can we praise the Lord for that? Hey, take, take your Bible and turn it to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. That's in the middle of your New Testament. You can use the table of contents if you need some help there. That's where we'll be in the scripture today. We are in a series entitled Pour Out. And I know that, uh, hey, I'm not naive to the fact that church attendance kind of shuffles a little bit. In fact, uh, I've heard a statistic lately that says uh, people who are super committed to a church come 1.7 times a month. Isn't that? How about that, right? And so uh, I want to refresh you. And for those of you who were here last week, uh, don't be insulted. You hear what I'm saying? Uh, but we're in this series, Pour Out. And uh, if you would, take your notes and turn, turn to the back of them. And uh, on the back of your program there, uh, we have what we talked about last week. We talked about John 12. And how Mary of Bethany, right? Mary of Bethany poured out a year's worth of wages in expensive oil on the feet of Jesus. And how it was worth it, we made the conclusion that uh, the more we pour out, the more people we can point to Jesus. And so how we are doing that, what this whole series is about is, is this. We believe God has given us an incredible facility. Do you believe that today? Uh, hey, I got to tell you, when I evaluate my message, my messages, I uh, always say, man, you ask too many rhetorical questions, but that's one worth asking. All right. Do you, are, are you glad that God has given us this building? Are you glad? Yeah, I am excited about it. Uh, there are not too many churches three years old that get to be in 25,000 square feet of real estate on one of the most influential corners in the entire state. And yet God gave that to us. And so as a result, we believe this, and you can follow along with me there in your program. Uh, We believe that we need to begin the process of purchasing the building. What does that look like? Uh, That means we have to raise $300,000 in the next two years uh, to put down. That would be 20% down uh, on $1.5 million so that we can buy this building. Some of you who are new may say, well, gee, I didn't realize uh, how you had the building. Well, we've been leasing it so far and we have a long lease, but we believe that God is turning the ship, allowing us to do this so that we can have an equipping and sending center well into the future, a longer term place where we can begin to reach the rest of Billings with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Uh, You see the terms there, uh, but here is the main thing I want you to know. Sunday, May 1st, what what Sunday is that? I'm going to ask a ton of rhetoricals. I'm going to obliterate it, and I'm going to get killed when I evaluate this message. What is the, when is Commitment Day? Sunday? May 1st. And what we're asking you to do is to pray about how God would use you, and we have this commitment card right here. Uh, This commitment card... Uh, has a place where you can check a box if you prefer to remain anonymous, but yet let your commitment be made known. You can do that, or you can write your name. And it's good to, to also say, hey, I'm going to put my name on this and have some accountability. But uh, you have a shot to give a monthly, one time. You can give monthly and one time. I mean, it's up to you. But if, if, this, if the card doesn't really have a place for you to write what you want to say, just write it on the card somewhere. And what we're asking is that you would pray about what that is. And on Sunday, May 1st, you bring this card, and, uh, and we're asking that you give your best. And so uh, that was a little bit about last week, and I'll probably repeat that here for a few weeks. I'm excited about the future today. 
Uh, we are going to talk about money for ministry, and essentially, we're going to talk about how to give. Uh, last week, we talked about why we should give, because Jesus and his church are worth our best. But today, how should I give? Um, what, what, when the rubber meets the road, what should I do with it? But then next week, we're going to talk about I love my church, part one, right? I love my church. It sounds like a good message. And we're going to look back on what God has done. And then on Sunday, May 1st, Commitment Day, we will have the message, I love my church, part I told you I'm going to obliterate my rhetorical questions today because it's worth it. So part two, and we'll look to the future and see where Elevation Church is going. I'm asking everybody to make May 1st a big priority in attendance. And so that's a little bit about our Pour Out series. And today, as we go into 1 Corinthians, uh, or I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, it's going to get real about our money. And I know that money... When you say two words, money and ministry, some people go, yes, because they get it. And it, on the polarizing other side, some people say, well, I, you know, I don't know if money and church go together so well. I don't like hearing those two words together very often. It's kind of like uh, that old statement uh, where they used to say, a mind is a terrible thing to waste, right? You're saying, what do they mean by that? Is a mind a terrible thing to waste? Or is a mind... A terrible thing to waste. I don't know. Well, but money, money for ministry, uh, th- these two words kind of get people, uh, I don't know, a little tense. So tap the person next to you and say, it's okay, loosen up. Just tap them. Tap them. That's right. And so we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And if you're new to the scripture, or maybe you've forgotten this, because uh, there are plenty of things I've forgotten in the Bible when somebody says it. And I go, oh, I, I don't remember that. But now I do. Second uh, Corinthians was uh, the follow-up letter to First Corinthians. In First Corinthians, Paul was mad at the church of Corinth. This church is down on the south end of Greece, right? That's kind of where they are for you geography buffs. He's mad at them, and so he writes First Corinthians. It's scathing. It's seething. I mean, people read this and they're like, "Whoa!" Uh, I, I don't think he likes me too much right now. Well, you know, after you've just told someone a hard truth, and then afterwards, sometimes you go like this. Uh, you, just, you just show your teeth and smile a little bit and you stay silent. Well, 2 Corinthians is kind of the, the teeth. You know, that's what I'm saying. That's what it is. And so uh, he, he dives in to giving after he just, he just tears them apart. Now he's trying to build them back up. And it's funny that money is one of the ways he chooses to encourage them to be built up in Christ. And so in chapter 8, he's talking about uh, a gift given to an individual. But in chapter 9... It's a pretty interesting chapter because I think it wars against how most people think about money and church. This, this is what it says in 9 verse 1. Now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. He's starting to put his tongue way out on his cheek, right? Like, uh, uh, tongue's going way out in cheek. He said, I shouldn't have to write this to you because I know that you have all this down, right? Uh, We've never said that to anybody else, I don't think. It says, For I know your willingness about which I boast of you to the Macedonians. The Macedonians were on the north side of the peninsula of Greece. Um, The church at Corinth was on the south side. And so he says that Achaia was ready a year ago. And your zeal has stirred up the majority. Now, if you stop and think, there are times in Scripture where the writers of Scripture had a little bit of fun. Um, do you think he would have had to write this if they were truly ready a year ago? I don't think so, right? 
he, he starts talking it up. Can you imagine if someone came in here and said, or, or wrote a letter, and I was reading it today, and said, Elevation Church, uh, hey, I know that you're ready to give money for a new church work happening in Butte, right? And you'd say, Butte, I don't even know if I like Butte. They say it has a sign that says, last person out, turn off the lights, right? And, and say, so, I don't know if I like, what are you talking about giving to Butte? This is kind of the situation they're getting put in. And, and so in verse 3, he says, yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain of this respect. And so at, picture this in the middle of me reading a letter to you about a church in Butte. In walks someone who says, hey, I'm ready for your gift. I'm ready for your, yeah, that's right. That's right. It, you, you just gasp. You're like, What? Uh, how are they telling me where my money should go? But this is what's happening here to the church in Corinth. So he said, I've sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready. There's some accountability coming. Lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your, what's that word? Generous. Your generous gift beforehand. There's no pressure at all right here, right? Which you had previously promised that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. Now Paul is meddling because he's not just talking about the amount of the gift being generous, but now he's talking about the attitude of the gift, right? Uh, the attitude of the gift. And, and it's all of a sudden, whoa, you know, it's one thing for me to give. It's another thing for me to be happy about it. And it's a whole nother thing to look forward to the next gift and to the fruit that's going to come from it. Uh, and so uh, in verse 6, here are some popular verses that come. And, I, and we're, we're going to talk about them and tackle them kind of from a different angle today. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. This is a real popular verse and a lot of people like to use it. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity. For God loves, say it with me, a what? A cheerful giver. Oh, how we love that verse. Because we go, that's the verse that says I get to give whatever I want, whatever makes me happy, right? Oh, we love that one. It's like, it's up on people's houses. No, it's not. I don't know. Maybe we should get a t-shirt. It'd be a best-selling t-shirt, right? Um, And then in verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. I'm going to go into verse 9, even though I said I was going to go to verse 8. As it is written, He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, that's the backdrop for our message today, money for ministry. And here's what I want for you today. I want something for everybody. For everybody. I want you to grow in discipleship. I want you to grow closer in following Jesus. And oftentimes we talk about you following Jesus and it being better in your marriage. Or for you serving the church. Or... Uh, maybe for uh, an addict to recover, uh, or for uh, some other kind of transformation. And those things are amazing, aren't they? They're amazing when that happens, and that's why we're here. But there's this area that is equal parts discipleship to the rest. 
to knowing God's word. And it's this area of your money. And so I want to ask you today, well, well, let me back up. What I want for you is I want you to take a step forward, your next step in the area of your finances and obeying Jesus Christ in them. That is what I want for everybody because I know that when we do that, there's something, uh, there's something we can't explain how God comes through and, and he sees us through in our life in ways that no one can even can tell you what happened. And so there are three questions you have to ask yourself. I want you to ask yourself. I want you to ask it of your family. Uh, I have to ask the, myself these things. And by answering these questions um, in a godly way, we will get to the point where we can honor God in this area of our money. And so here's the first question. Where is my money going? Where is my money going? Now, uh, that, I'm not talking about, uh, hey, uh, where is it going in my IRA? Although it's good to save, right? It's smart. It's good for your money to go for your house payment because the Bible says that uh, someone who doesn't provide for their own family is worse than an unbeliever, right? And, and so that's all good, but that, that's not really what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21. This is what he said. It's on the screen in your program. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's say that verse aloud. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, when I ask the question, where is your money going? I'm not talking about scrutinizing where it goes in the church. No, that's not what we're doing. We're not talking about uh, saying, wow, hey, uh, did a pastor buy a new shirt? Well, yes, I did, because I think I gained a few pounds and I had to get one that was a little bit bigger, okay? And so I lose, then I go back at the other one. We're, we're not talking about those things. We're talking about from your perspective, between you and God, where is your money going? You see, uh, if you're a sports fan, uh, you may notice that I buy Hurricanes jersey uh, now and again. Uh, I'll even do pay-per-view to catch a game. And uh, I'm asking, is, is that where all your money is going? Is it going to your hobby? Is it going to your cars? Is it going uh, to experience and vacation? And uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just mentally add up in your mind... Is your money, if you, when you're talking about after you do the necessities, the rest of it, right? Um, is that going mostly to the things of God? Because if not, wherever it's going to, wherever it's going to, Jesus said, that's where your heart is. And see, if your heart is not there, if your heart is not in the things of God, it becomes impossible, impossible to honor God and become his disciple in this area of money. And so, uh, and so I want to ask you that question. It's not where we're going to spend most of our time, but where is your money going? In other words, where does it say your heart is? Where does it say your heart is? When you look at your checkbook, you know what? I have to be honest. You know what competes with, with my heart? My heart is in restaurants and going out because uh, I bought into the McDonald's line. You deserve a break today, right? And, and so I'm like, yeah, I do deserve a break. Because I got four kids and it's hard and my life is crazy and I go from 6 a.m. You know, I, have, I have a teenager waking me up uh, at 6 a.m. saying, Dad, let's go work out. And somehow I finish the last dish at like 11, right? And I'm going, I deserve a break. And, and sometimes I have to confess, 
that competes and says, my heart is in convenience and not in the things of God. Because if my heart were in the things of God, I might be willing to do just even that much more work so that I could pour out um, money into, and, and let fuel, give some fuel for God's kingdom to grow and go forward. I don't know where your money is going and where, what competes for your heart, but I know it competes for mine. And we have to be careful. But here's where I want to spend uh, quite a bit of time. Here's the next question. Not after where's my money going, you have to ask this is a difficult one. And I, and I thought, man, how should I word this? I said, oh, I'll just say it. How can I increase my giving? How can I increase my giving? I want to give you one way that you can begin to increase your giving. It's called the tithe. You may want to write that down. Uh, the tithe. And uh, the tithe is one of these things that wars against our passage here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 in the minds of many. But I don't think it wars against it at all, and I'll explain why uh, for a second. Uh, Here's what Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 and 11 uh, says to us. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, right? You could uh, apply that in modern day as the church. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. And by the way... A tithe is how much? 10%, right? I love when I hear someone say, and, and I don't know that I don't judge or do this, but I, I do kind of go, hmm. someone says, well, I tithed $5. And I'm going, wow, you made $50 this week then, right? Yeah, I mean, you're doing the math. Uh, uh, you may not have tithed, and they may mistake it for giving, but a tithe is 10%. And so here's what God says here in Malachi 3. He says, if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you, I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Try it. This is, this is incredible. Put me to the test. God doesn't say that very often. He doesn't say that. As a matter of fact, he doesn't ever say that except for here, right? And James, we're told, don't, don't put God to the test, right? Don't do it. But here, God himself says, you can put me to the test here. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not... Fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's army. Now, um, I know when you say the tithe, oh boy, folks who have a huge background in giving and money people, they go, well, Dave, the tithe is not part of the law and we're not obligated to that part. Well, we know that in the scripture, Abraham tithe, he gave a tenth of all he had to Melchizedek. You can go back and read about it in Genesis, right? He gave a tenth and that was before Moses gave the law. And sometimes people will point all the way, I'm just dealing with the extremes for time's sake, to 2 Corinthians 9 and say, well, Dave, the New Testament negated that because God says that he loves a cheer, you know, God loves a cheerful giver. Well, when we put this verse in context here in 2 Corinthians 9, not only does it predate the law, but God loving a cheerful giver is in the context of missions giving. Guess what these people were doing? They were already tithing. They were there. They were giving 10%. They were honoring God, testing them, trying them in it. And then here, Paul is saying, hey, there's this work that's going on. And I have, I've already been boasting to people about how much you're going to give. I'm going to send someone to come get your gift because God loves a cheerful giver. And so 10%, well... Well, well, yeah, uh, if you don't, does it mean that, that you don't love God? No, it doesn't necessarily mean that. But here's what I can tell you. Um, you're missing out on being taken care of 
in a way that you don't even know. Some people like to say, well, if you give, then you're going to get a bunch. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you give, you have God's hand of protection on your life in a way that you could never even explain, that you may not even know is happening. Because here's what these two scriptures share in common. At the end of Malachi, right, chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, he's saying, test me in it and see if I don't provide. See if you don't have enough. See if it's not even overflowing. But then at the end of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 through 9, uh, look at verse 8. He says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you having all sufficiency in all things may have a what? An abundance. May have an abundance for every good work. Do you see the principle? We step out on faith. We give. God provides. You want to hear a a really interesting story? Uh, When I, right before we were going to move, uh, to Billings, Montana, about a year before. We weren't really sure. We hadn't said yes, but we kind of saw things leaning this way from South Florida. Um, God, uh, God uh, impressed on my heart to give my two, uh, 2000 Honda Civic with 211,000 miles that had never been in the mechanic shop ever to someone who needed a car. You know how much money I had to buy a car? Not a dime. And I went, but God... I need this car. I'm going to plant a church. Uh, and you know what? Sometimes uh, I'm not even sure if he gets that car, if he's going to use it for the right thing. I, I don't know. God impressed my. I just didn't know. And, and so I gave this guy my car. Amy just looked at me like, what are you doing? We had had this car like 11 or 12 years at this point. And, and she's like, what are you doing? I, I'll go along with it, but I don't understand. And, uh, you know, many people think, well, if I give the car, hey, God has a car for me, you know, the next day. It was over 18 months, actually it might have even been closer to two years, before I was able to buy another car. When I bought another car, it was half price of what I would have paid for a light car, the car I drive around. It was half price, but are you ready for this? That part is impressive, it's fun, it's cute, whatever. As I look back, I used to think about how I'd complain to God, God, I gave this car and my heart attitude was wrong. We'll get to that in just a second. That's where we're going. That's where we're headed. You can feel it. Um, And I complained about God. I gave you the car. I was trusting you for another car. Well, as I look back, I went, I, I'm an idiot. I'm a complainer. Do you know what happened? And I didn't even give God the credit for it uh, when it happened. Our church had decided to go portable. And with deciding to go portable, they bought two 26-foot trailers that were full of portable church equipment because we had over 1,000 people going to portable church, if you could imagine. And because they didn't want to ruin anyone's truck, part of the package that they bought was a... You've got to think, this is 2011, 2012. Um, they bought a 2008 Ford F-350 King Ranch. And the executive pastor said, Dave... Since your car's not there, why don't you just drive this around um, when you need a car? And so I drove around Port St. Lucie in a car I didn't pay for. And it was one of these, I mean, there are trucks, and then there are trucks where you pull up the stoplight and guys just go, right? I mean, they're they're, they're just drool drool coming out. I've even, uh, I've never had this before happen to me in my life, but I would pull up and people would actually knock on their window, roll it down, wave, and I would, and they'd go, bro, that's a nice truck, (laughs) you know? And I'm thinking... Wow, as I look back, God provided for me until the point I could, I could do this. But that's not even, if that wasn't impressive, here's what's even more impressive. 
I was preparing to go start a church. I was doing this, Amy and I were doing this, with exactly zero dollars in our bank, zero dollars in our savings, zero dollars in retirement. And uh, sometimes I would look at Pastor Fred and go, I I don't know how this is going to happen. Are you ready for this? This isn't organizations. This isn't other churches. What I'm about to tell you is from individuals. And this is the back half of Malachi 3. It's the back half of 2 Corinthians 9, uh, verses 8 and 9, about God providing in abundance. This is going to blow you away. As a matter of fact, I think I better sit down for this. In four years, in four years, do you want to know what individual people invested in you? Individuals now. Yes or no? Is this a church? No. Not, well, this is, but am I talking about a church right now? No. I'm talking about people just like you. I'm talking about people who, who, couldn't, who are having trouble making ends meet, all the way to people who had an abundance and everybody in between. They have a, people, friends, have invested, as I counted it up, into Elevation Church over four years. We'll be here four years in June. $250,000. Two hundred. Did, did you hear that? And no, no, they're not all people who just have a bunch of extra money. No, they're not. They're not people who, oh, I just have an abundance. That's it. No, these are people who caught the heart of 2 Corinthians 9. These are people, many of them who I know were already tithers, who did what 2 Corinthians 9 was. And this is what we're asking you to do. We're asking you to ask the question, how can I increase my, my giving? It may start by making the decision that you're going you're gonna to take God up on his word and you're going to start with 10%. It may be that maybe you can't go further than that. Um, maybe you're not to 2 Corinthians 9 to the missions giving part yet. As we pour out and you're, you're going, I don't know, I, I'll just, I'm going to try God there. But here's something you need to write it down. You say, well, what's, what's really in it for me if, if, I, if I take you up on this day? If I, take, if I take the scriptures up on this, more importantly, here it is. Sacrificial giving suffocates selfishness. Boy, you want to get rid of the selfishness in your family? You want to get rid of the, the selfishness at your work? Start sacrificially giving. It'll suffocate it. And that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It just does. It sounds really good. But here's the cool part. Not only does it, sac- does, does it suffocate the selfishness, But God is there providing for you every step of the way. So where's my money going? Because it shows my heart. How can I increase my giving? Because I'm trusting God and I'm suffocating the selfishness. But here's the third and final thing. Why do I work? Why do I work? This gets into the heart attitude. um, Because God loves a cheerful giver. He loves a giver that is that is uh, immersed in generosity, that looks forward to giving, but you'll never change the attitude of your giving. I have to admit, there are times where the attitude of my giving goes, uh, you know, we sent Amy back to work because we're trying to catch up so maybe we can build a house payment or, or build a down payment for a house and buy a house. And, you know, she, was, she, she has this second income now as, as a teacher. And there was a point where I went, you know, uh, the second income... Oh, gee, that's, that's for the house, and that's going to benefit the church because if we can get a house, then, then it helps our longevity, and it, and it just puts us in a better place to minister. And I did all these things, and God went, No, Dave, <clears throat> the tithe, 
right? Even on the second income, 10%. That's what God, God just nailed me on it. And so I went, oops, sorry. And you know what I did? I, I gave extra because I went, you know what? I'm not going to be selfish. I'm going to just, we're just going to kill this, this thing right now. You want to know how to suffocate selfishness? Stroke a big check, bigger than what you thought. That, that'll kill it right there. And it'll humble you before God and say, God, I need you. And it'll help you answer this question. Why do I work? Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. This is kind of a setup to uh, chapter 9, but it gives us a context. And here's what it says. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for who? Themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. And so there's this concept, and you can write these things down, of um, living for the master and not the money, right? There's this other concept of um, it's about the mission and not material things. And here's the mindset that will help change your generosity. Um, The scripture is very clear that everyone who has come to faith in Christ is a minister. And you went, who, me? No, 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 no. If you have crossed the line of faith in Christ Jesus and you've crossed from death to life, you've surrendered your life, if you haven't, well then, hey, you got to get that first before even all this. But if you've crossed the line, there's a mindset that should take place and it should reshape how we live. I am a minister of the gospel. Touch someone next to you and say, I'm a minister of the gospel. No, no. If you're a Christian, you are. And here's the, here's the shift. Hey, I'm not a fireman. I don't sell stuff. I'm not a banker. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a, I'm not a this. I, I don't fix cars. I don't build cars. I don't build engines. That's, no, 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 no. I'm a minister of the gospel. So why do I work? To fund my ministry. Why do I work? You see, uh, the money I earn is there so that I can be a brighter light, so I can be saltier salt in a lost and dying world so people can know the hope of Jesus. Doesn't that sound good? Why do I work? I I don't work to please the boss. I mean, hey, I know how it is. You walk into work and you're like, oh boy, I don't want this job anymore because my boss, right? Or, uh, hey, they haven't given me a raise in in five years. Or, hey, the process is at this place. They stink and I need to go somewhere else. And we're going, well, why do I work? I work so that I could be happy at work or I work so that I could feel like I make a difference. You know, and those things are not all bad. But at the end of the day for a believer, why do I work? I work so that I can advance the name of Jesus and my job is just a way to fund it. Do you get it? And and so as we talk about pouring out and as we close out the the deal today, I want to ask you, can you believe what the Lord has done here, has done at Elevation Church? It is mind-boggling. And and a lot of times we'll celebrate attendance and we should and that's good. But you know what's more mind-boggling? People who are addicts who have turned, people who are hopeless just eight, nine, ten months ago, um, who now have hope in Jesus Christ. And that is worth it. That is worth pouring out our best. That is worth um, increasing our giving. That's worth doing a heart check about where is my heart? Where is my money going? What does it say about what's number one? That is what God is asking us. He's asking us to give money to do ministry. Not to have ministry for money. Not the opposite. So here are some ideas to implement. And I want everybody just to look right there. And I don't know which one is going to be yours. I don't know. But there's something for everybody. Some ideas to implement from the message are this. Number one, try tithing. 
Just try it. In fact, I want to ask you to try it for 90 days if you haven't. And see if the Lord doesn't come through for you. See if he doesn't. You know what? If you, if you do and, and, and you go, wow, God just never takes care of me. Hey, we'll give it all back because it's not about that. It's not about that. Number two, clean up your spending to invest more into the kingdom of God to put your heart with the things of Jesus. Number three, view yourself as a minister of the gospel funded by your job. Funded by your job. And then here's a third way, or a fourth way rather. Hey, if you are able, if you, if you have crossed the line of the previous three, trust the Lord by giving your best through pour out so that we can give a lasting presence to this city and this state and to the world for Jesus Christ. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. Before we go any further, we're talking about surrendering our money to God, but maybe you've come to the place where you're going, that's not possible because I haven't even surrendered my life to God. I've never trusted in the nails in his hands, the nail in his feet. I've never trusted in his resurrection for my salvation. And so Dave, I, I got to get that done first. I got to cross the line of faith today. If that's you who, who wants to cross the line from death to life today, and you're saying, you know what? No more. I'm not holding back. I'm, I'm going to trust God with it all. If that's you. Would you just raise your hand? Is there anyone like that? Would say, today, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Yeah. Is there anybody else who would say that? Hey, if you raise your hand, if you just look at me for a sec. Hey, man, is this it? Is this the day? Awesome. Hey, I want to ask you to do something bold. Nobody's looking around. Would you go to the back to the Next Step Center and, and let them lead you in that decision right now? Do it. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, as we close this, I want to pray for you. But before we pray, I want to ask, how many of you are saying, here, you're in the room today and you hear it. You're going, oh, wow, God has just put my arm behind my back. And I'm yelling, uncle. But Dave, money is so, so hard. It's so hard. And I just need prayer for it. Just raise your hand if that's you. Yeah, all over the room. God, I want to lift up the folks today who are saying, God, I want to honor you. I want to do it, but it's just hard for me. God, I pray and ask that today you would answer the call of Malachi chapter 3. And Lord, as they try you in this area, God, would you prove yourself faithful in ways, Lord, where maybe they don't endure sickness or, or Lord, maybe... Um, something goes smoother that they never even they never even know the, the ground of grace they're standing on. God, w- would you open our eyes to trust you, to view us, to view ourselves as children of God who are ministers until your return? And God, that we would we would give it all to follow you. Lord, I pray and ask that you would provide for the people who are struggling. Lord, I know that struggle is real and it's genuine, and, and I pray and ask that, that uh, Lord, you would use their effort to find a job or, 
uh, Lord, use their effort to create a budget uh, so that they can, they can in turn uh, give you all they have, not just money, but their whole life. Father, I pray for the person who is struggling because it's just money. Father, I pray that you would suffocate any selfishness. And Father, that we would be cheerful givers, um, knowing that you could do more uh, with it than anything we could do. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, hey, can we praise the Lord who provides today? Thanks again for watching. Join us next week as Pastor Dave Carroll continues in the series Pour Out.